0: If we've never met before, again, my name is Adam, and uh, it's so good to worship together today. And I I actually want to start, before we get into our sermon, with uh, some exciting and good news. Uh, Anybody like to hear some good news every now and then? (laughs) That's sort of nice, right? Uh, And it's a perfect time to share today, uh, because we're about to start a five-week series where we're going to talk about uh, our calling to be a missional church And this fact that it's not just about us, it's not about just keeping our doors open and doing what we want, but being sent by God uh, here in Mountain View, California, to bless others. And in December, as a part of this mission, we set a year-end giving goal of $250,000 to help fund this mission. And I want to let you know that we did it. You guys did it. Yeah, that's worth clapping about. Uh, And This is uh, exciting news for many reasons, but uh, I want to just highlight two reasons that this is very exciting for me. Uh, The first is I know how hard of a season it's been for our community. I've had a lot of conversations, I've had a lot of coffees, and I know it's been a a tough five years for many of you, Uh, but this is just a small sign and a reminder that God is not done with this community, this is a sign of things to come, a new calling, fresh hope. Now, the second thing is this is a reminder of the amazing, faithful, and committed people in this church. Uh, when I was interviewing uh, and even in my first weeks of working here, people would ask me, uh, you know, what, what's it like at Highway? And I would always tell people, to always tell them, uh, I, they've been through a lot, but the people who are still here are incredible. And I mean that. I mean, don't get cocky or get a weird ego about that either, because that's a sin and you're not supposed to do that. Uh, But seriously, I'm so honored to be a part of this community. And uh, yeah, I'm just wholeheartedly believing that God is going to honor and bless your commitment and your faithfulness. Um, So as we jump into this time Of talking about what it means to be a missional church, I wanna just give you a second to pause, okay? So you can close your eyes if you want. You don't have to if you don't want to. But oftentimes when we get in a space like this, in a sermon moment, uh, we forget this reality that we actually believe that God is here with us, His Spirit can speak to us. So I wanna give you a chance to pause and remember this reality. I'm gonna ask you basically two questions for you to think about with Jesus this morning. The first one is this, just being honest with yourself. What are you coming into today with? If you can narrow it down to one word, what are you bringing into this day? And if you feel comfortable, maybe just say that word to Jesus. Jesus. The second thing I want to ask you to do is just spend a moment, imagine Jesus is actually here with us wanting to speak, and just simply ask him, what do you want to say to me today? And then simply just give him permission. I invite you to speak to me today. It's important to do this occasionally because we forget, like, what is this thing that we're doing? We actually believe that God is here with us. And we're beginning this new teaching series that we're calling Incarnational. And here's the deal you will not find the word incarnational in a dictionary. Uh, here at Highway, we're sort of like punk rock, we're rebels. Don't tell us what words we can and can't use. Uh, incarnational is a concept that originates from John 1 14. The more traditional reading is this, that the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. But I love the visceral language of Eugene Peterson's translation, which says the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. Incarnational is this concept It speaks about the word from the beginning of time before creation being sent to be a human, putting on flesh and blood. He became a human with all of our back aches and our pimples and our thinning hair and our hunger pangs. God embodied the human experience to reach us, show us his kingdom. And for our series, we're going to talk about this is the reality for us. This is the mission of God. And we are a missional church. And for five weeks, we're going to both clarify and remember what that means for us. What does it mean to be incarnational in Silicon Valley? And this clarification is important because there's many different ideas of what it means to be missional. Some people will say, like, I'm I'm nice to people. That means I'm missional. For others, missional means like evangelism, like constantly telling people about Jesus through words. Uh, for others, missional is, is tied to our outreach partners, uh, maybe taking care of the unhoused or, or serving a nonprofit. And for others, missional is, is tied to what we traditionally think of being a missionary, like going to another country, sharing the gospel. And here's the deal. These are all correct, but they're also all incomplete pictures. What it means to be missional. So, what do we mean? What do we mean? Now, I'm a huge fan of road trips. Anybody else road trips? Yep, yep. Uh, I love that feeling. Like when you get when you you set in your car and you pull out of the driveway and you're ready for an adventure. And uh, there are, of course, different kinds of road trippers, right? Uh, One kind of road tripper is usually the stereotype is that it's the dad, but it's not always. And this type is focused on getting to the destination as quick as possible, right? Uh, Any of you do this? You look at the GPS and it says you will arrive in five hours and you sort of smirk and you're like, maybe that's the case for a normal person. Four and a half hours tops. And so halfway through, the kids really need to pee. But you tell them, you have to hold it because stopping will put you off your arrival time. Uh, another type of road tripper I would call is the, the playlist curator. For this type, it's all about the vibes. For this person, it's not a road trip until we're belting out Taylor Swift, Romeo and Juliet at some point. Uh, and then you have what I would call like the snack curator. You sit down next to them. And you're like, don't worry. I've got beef jerky and Cheez-Its and sandwiches and cookies and candy. And then you pull out uh, over at a gas station, and they're like, i got to get more stacks. i got to fill up my inventory. Uh, and then finally, I've got one of these um, in my family. You have the people who are just in it for the experience, right? They see like a, a billboard that says, in two miles, there's a turtle pottery shop. And they say, oh, we have to stop there. There's an exit, and it's a place where you can eat pea soup. We have to stop and take pictures of us eating. Now, when you get this type and the first type together, you get a lot of conflict, uh, which I've experienced in person. Uh, But part of what I love about road trips uh, are the maps, are the maps. Now, this is different than it used to be, of course, now with phones, but I still love paper maps. I sort of miss using these. I found this old atlas at Goodwill this week and I used to love like tracing uh, along on this little road and you try to figure out exactly where you were, but you'd also try to figure out where you were going, uh, what your destination was. And I love maps because of this reality, maps are an indication that you're going somewhere. We're leaving our our normal space, our normal reality, a place of comfort, and we're on the move. We're going somewhere. At the simplest level, this is what it means to be missional. To be missional is going somewhere. It's on the move. I think if we're honest this morning, sometimes, either in our our own lives or even at the church, we forget this concept And if we're not careful, we stop going anywhere. We stay in our place of comfort. We stop living on mission. Maybe in our personal lives, we we started a business or career with a purpose, or we started our adult lives with a passion to do something. But over time, we've gotten stuck in our weekly routines, simply doing what our jobs or our kids' sports uh, where our culture ask of us, uh, in fact, some of you if you uh, if I ask you today, where are you going in life? if you were authentic and honest uh, you wouldn 't exactly know what to say, and this can often uh, also happen with churches right uh, There are many reasons that churches can dwindle and lose members and eventually die, but often. It comes down to churches forgetting that they're meant to be more than just a building or a gathering. We're meant to be going somewhere on mission. The members become focused on preserving the past, how things used to be, or lose the desire to go and move and do. So the series is all about the danger we all face in our personal lives and here at Highway. If we're not careful, we can become stuck in preservation mode stuck in comfort, stuck reliving the past or the good old days, and we forget to take risk. We forget and stop stepping out in faith. So this week, we're going to start uh, by seeing this reality that this desire to go somewhere isn't just from us and our personalities. It begins in the beginning. This desire to be on mission comes from a God who is on mission. So if we go back all the way to the beginning in Genesis, we see this mission of God often called the Missio Dei. And Genesis is first and foremost, it's a story about God. God is the hero and the central character of this story. It might sound weird. I was thinking about this this week, but God was sort of uh, the first missionary. We can think of him like that. Before the creation of the world, God existed in a loving relationship. We often call this the Trinity, uh, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit uh, were existed in this loving, complete, whole relationship. And we're going to actually have our own map throughout this series that will help us uh, see a timeline of this mission of God. It's important to start here because we remember that highway doesn't exist because it started as a young adult group 20 years ago. It starts with God, with the Trinity, This is such an intense and good and whole loving relationship that God wanted to extend it and allow it to overflow. And so creation is the first instance of mission. To some degree, we could use the metaphor that the Trinity was fruitful and multiplied. It was an overflow. God goes somewhere by creating the world. And this is where Genesis 1 comes in. God creates out of an overflow. And the creation is good. And God blesses it. It's to be a peaceful, complete existence just like the Trinity, right? He puts the humans in a garden. And he gives them the task to cultivate it and take care of the garden as an extension of God's care and provision. And he, and he tells them to be fruitful and multiply to bear fruit and allow this love to expand uh, to others. And so this is where the mission begins at the very beginning. This is the first instance of incarnation, God leaving what was to bless the world and people. for those of us who are followers of Jesus, our mission is not something new. It's not our mission. It's God that is going somewhere. He's the one who began this. He's the one who wants to continue. But if we follow our map and our timeline, we know what happens next. Out of this great love, God gave humans free will and he gave them the ability to choose. They had the choice. You can do what God wants or you can do what you want. And humans chose to rebel we know about Adam and Eve, but really throughout Genesis 2 through 11, we see this spiraling rebellion of humans, story after story. So the next thing on our map here is this rebellion. And this is an important part of our mission, an important part of the story, because sometimes people will will tell the story by starting in these later chapters of Genesis, and they'll talk about the corruption of the world and the sinfulness of humans but they'll forget about the beginning in Genesis 1. It it began in a garden. This is where it starts. Shalom. God's original design was a flourishing existence. So the mission of God is always, to some degree, a desire for restoration, for reconciliation, for renewal, to return back to God's original design, a kingdom of justice. And hope and love. Now, this rebellion of humans prompts God to action. And that's where we get to Genesis 12. Uh, The world has rebelled and gone against God's original design, but God isn't done with his people. Uh, His mission continues. The plan will include a call to a person named Abraham, or Abram at this time. And it will go through Abraham's family and tribe, and this will be how God will carry on his mission. So if you have your Bibles with you this morning, let's turn to Genesis 12, 1 through 3. And this is what we see here. Now, the Lord said to Abram, go, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I'll make you a great nation and I'll bless you. Make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I'll bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you, I'll curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. It's a call. It's a call to go somewhere, to leave a place of comfort in order to bless others. And this is the next part of our our map. This is a calling to continue the mission of God. He was sending them out. It's important to remember this little detail uh, about this calling. Abram and Sarah at the time were barren uh, when they were called by God. And being barren in the Old Testament was not just about not having kids, but being barren was like a metaphor for hopelessness. It was a hopeless situation for them. And so this is like a beautiful part of this mission. Apparently, God is going to rebuild his mission in a place that seems hopeless. And for some of us today, as we enter in this room, this might be like the very word that God wants to speak to us. The story and mission of God is not one of, of perfect circumstances. Uh, some, of this, some of us this morning, we're walking into this place with a piece of hopelessness inside and church can be a very smiley place. And so maybe no one else here is aware of it, but maybe you've almost given up on finding like a fulfilling job or maybe your kid feels like a lost cause or you're battling some kind of habit or addiction. Maybe you've been under some cloud of depression We can smile at each other and pretend everything is fine. But many of us in this room, there's some piece of hopelessness we're carrying today. And then beyond us personally, uh, this community and this church, I already mentioned this, has been through a lot in the past few years. Two founding pastors leaving, campuses closing, not meeting in person for over a year because of the pandemic, and trying to rebuild a Christian church in the Bay Area Can feel hopeless. But it's in the middle of this barren, hopeless moment for Abraham and Sarah that God speaks. He speaks. He speaks of a new reality and vision and mission. And it's a callback to the very beginning. In the middle of nothingness, God speaks things into existence. He creates a new world, a new reality. And this is a word for us this morning. Whatever hopeless moment you find yourself in, God is not done speaking. In some churches, they say amen right there, but that's you don't have to do that. God's not done with you, with us. It's precisely in these moments when you least expect it that God's mission comes alive. So God calls Abram and Sarah to leave and go. And This requires two things. It requires risk and trust. Let's all say that out loud together. Risk and trust. Risk and trust. They have a choice to stay in comfort or to leave in risk. And the problem for us when we read the Bible thousands of years later is we miss how hard these situations would have been because we know the ending, Right? But just imagine, God God is calling them to leave their family, to leave comfort, to set out on their own. And yes, we know the ending, but remember, they did not know how things would go. And God made them an impossible promise. They were barren, but he said he would make them fruitful. So they had to risk and they had to trust. And this is what the mission of God always requires, risk and trust. It was hard and painful, but God so loved the world that he calls them. He sends them to be a blessing to all people. It's a mission of restoration to bring people back and to declare the reign of Yahweh, the one true God. And this is our calling today. In our neighborhoods, Palo Alto, Sunnyvale, Los Altos, Mountain View, where people all around us are facing moments of hopelessness, God has a mission. He wants you to be a blessing. He wants our community here to bless the surrounding area. He wants to restore people and bring them into his kingdom. But this will require us to leave and go. Often it's actually not physically, but it might mean leaving our safety leaving our comfort by introducing ourselves to a neighbor, leaving our cultural values to embrace kingdom values, going from a calendar built on our own agenda to one built on blessing others. Now, to help clarify what we mean by being missional, we're going to use this definition throughout our series, and it's not perfect, it's not complete, but each piece has a a part that is important for us. Uh, to be missional means that we are sent by God. It's not our mission. It's God's mission to leave the comforts of our life. It's always ascending. It's always a risk. It's always a moving and to go into every space and every person. We go to all of the parts of our lives, our neighborhoods, our uh, coworkers, people in the margins to embody Jesus. It's not just doing things and saying things. It's actually allowing him uh, to be embodied in us in order to bless, love, bring justice and restoration and declare the reign of God. And I don't know about you. When I read something like that, I just get excited. I didn't Start following Jesus to just sit around. I want to be part of a movement. I want to see what God can do in our day and time. But it will require risk and trust. Personally, it will require getting out of our bubbles and our comfort zones. For our church, it will require us getting out of preservation mode and imagining how we can bless others. It's risky. But we have to trust this is God's mission, not just ours. Now, uh, let's continue on our timeline. One last thing this morning. This is an extremely important part for us. Uh, After this calling to embark upon a mission, to be a blessing to all people, the Israelites eventually find themselves in exile. They're away from their land, in a foreign place, far from their culture, their norms, and comforts. Uh, Do you ever feel... (laughs) Like, you don't belong like this. Uh, Last week, Cohen and I went to a 49ers game after church, and it was uh, his first one. And so we did all the things. I think we have a picture of us at the 49ers game. We did all the things you do. We ate hot dogs, nachos, and popcorn, and he had a bellyache later that night. (laughs) Sorry, Mommy. Uh, Even though we're Bears fans, we've adopted the 49ers as like our second team. And so we cheered and we did the thing that's sort of like a barbarian chant. If you've been there in person, you know what it is. The announcer says, it's another 49ers for first down. And what do you do? Ooh, ooh, ooh. Remember that? It was weird, but we tried our best. Uh, <laughs> but this picture, I, I want to focus on something else. I want to pa- point out another reality. Right in front of us were two Los Angeles Rams fans. The enemy. Uh, everybody, all sports endeavors in the Bay Area, they have this mantra, BLA, BLA. And I couldn't stop watching this couple uh, during the game because I've been that those people before. I don't know if you've ever done that. You're at an opposing team stadium and you're wearing your team's colors and it's wildly uncomfortable because everyone knows you don't belong. Like you're literally wearing the wrong colors and you stand out drastically. And so I kept watching this couple and when the Rams would score, they'd sort of do like a half cheer. They'd sort of get excited and then they'd be like, Ooh, mm, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Cause I think they've seen all the fights that happen all the time. they like, didn't want to make anybody mad. Uh, they were <laughs> in a foreign land, right? Strangers in a strange land. This is what it means to be in exile. It's what it feels like. Surrounded by folks that are different, maybe different values, customs, agendas. This is a super helpful way to think about following Jesus in our culture today. Um, The Bay Area is one of the least church areas in the country. The word post-Christian is used to describe our area simply to say it's way more common to not go to church and to not be a Christian these days than actually being one. We talked about this last week, but we're also surrounded by a, a culture that values things like accumulating possessions and achieving success or having great status. For for those of us who are devoting our lives to Jesus, we're sort of in an exile, if you can think about it. And sometimes what do we do in exile? Uh, we, we segregate ourselves. We separate ourselves ourselves and we we create a distance from the culture around. If we're not careful, the distance creates this internal sense of judgment and superiority, judging how our neighbors and our coworkers approach life, which leads to more distance. Now to the Israelites who are in exile in Babylon, God sends them a word through the prophet Jeremiah, and it's not a word of distance or separation. Check this out. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons. Give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there. Do not decrease. Seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you. Pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. It's a command that is not about distance or separation, it's a command for them to immerse themselves in the land. Help this land to flourish there's this breakdown. We see these verbs, build houses and live in them, plant gardens and eat their produce. Marry, have children, give your sons and daughters in marriage, multiply, do not decrease. These are words of investment, generosity. When you read this, do you catch a connection to something we've already talked about today? This is language that echoes God's purpose in creation to cultivate gardens and food, to build and live, to cultivate relationships, to be fruitful, multiply. It's a call to thrive and flourish, to be a blessing wherever you are. In other words, the mission remains. This morning, each of us has has a different story of how we got to Silicon Valley some of you were actually born here. Some came to here for college or a job. And Highway has a unique story of how it became a church and how it changed and how we got to this campus here in Mountain View. But here's the deal. Regardless of how we got here, we're here. <laughs> now, we find ourselves in Mountain View, California, surrounding suburbs in 2024. That's the reality And the mission is the same for us today, here and now, as it was in the beginning, to declare the reign and kingdom of God, a kingdom of shalom, justice, and love, to be a blessing to our neighbors and coworkers and to those on the margins. So some questions for you to reflect on. If you were honest, you looked deep inside, you didn't have to tell anybody else. If we pulled out a map like this, Where would you say you are going in your life? Or another way to ask is, what is your mission? Another way to ask is, whose mission are you on? Is your mission based on your own agenda, your own prosperity? Is a mission based on getting more, being more successful? Another question more about us as a church community, do you really want our church to be on mission? It might sound like a weird question, but I heard it recently said, people want to be known for being a part of a missional church, but don't actually want to participate in a missional church. I may sound harsh, but in my 20 years of working in churches, so often a church can simply be about preservation or a place that makes me feel good. To be missional requires work. New ideas, risk, trust, and it requires sacrifice tomorrow, as I mentioned earlier we we remember Martin Luther King jr, and I've mentioned him several times in my sermons in the past few months and how influential he's been to me, uh, but we remember his life and impact, and sometimes we have the same problem that comes when we read biblical stories we We know the ending. So we forget the humanity. We forget the risk and trust involved. I wonder how many times he laid in bed at night and thought to himself, should I just go back to preaching and like doing normal life? It would be simpler, easier. I wonder how many times he asked himself, is this worth it? Or maybe he had moments of just doubting the progress. Are things actually changing? Of course he did. He was human. We all have fear and doubt. We all long for comfort and safety, but he worked through these things. He marched on. He knew his life was always in danger. He knew part of the risk in his mission for reconciliation was being assassinated, but he marched on and he trusted that the mission would continue regardless of what happened to him. And that's what it takes to be on mission to live a life of going somewhere. Every call and mission requires risk and trust. And we see this reality with Jesus. He was fully human. We said earlier, he put on flesh and blood and he moved into the neighborhood. And after living a life of mission, declaring the reign of God, showing people a God who longed to restore He got to the end of his mission on earth, and he had this moment where he was praying with God. And the text said he was praying so intensely that blood was like uh, coming out as sweat. And He wrestled with God, and he said, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. We forget this human moment of Jesus. He knew what he had been sent to do, and it would require an insane amount of risk and trust. Then he finishes this prayer by saying to God, ultimately, though, it's not what I want, but what you want. It's not what I want, but what you want. And this is what we all have to wrestle with throughout our life. There's a mission of God, a calling to be a blessing, calling to serve the world around, to bring reconciliation, restoration, or we can choose our own mission. So this morning... The question is, which mission will you choose? Are you able to say, it's not what I want, but what you want? Let's uh, spend a moment in prayer. As we pray, I just want to invite you to think about that question. Let's be honest with Jesus this morning about where we're at. Jesus, we come to you this morning as a community that longs to see your movement, to long, longs to see your kingdom on this earth, while also <laughs> battling this desire for comfort, this desire for safety, this desire to live for our own agenda, our own mission. So Jesus, as we think about this, we process this the next five weeks as a community. We want to give you permission to speak to us. This is not just a preacher preaching things. It's not just a church doing a series. We want to actually ask you to speak. The way you spoke to Abraham and Sarah, the way you spoke in the beginning, Holy Spirit, would you speak to us? For some of us we need a new word we need a new hope we've been in a m- moment of barrenness hopelessness Holy Spirit we need you to speak of renewal and revival and resurrection for some of us we need you to stir and us uh, renew a passion a purpose within us for some of us you need, we need you to speak uh, some kind of chance for us to meet neighbors, some kind of spurring on for us, uh, an idea, a strategy, a plan. Would you speak? We invite you to speak to our community in this new season. This is your church. This is your mission. It's not ours. So we ask you to do what you would do in us. In Jesus' name, we all pray. Amen.